0: Easter is just around the corner, and what better way to celebrate the spring season than with a Minky Couture Blanket. Whether you're gathering with family for an Easter egg hunt or just enjoying a quiet day at home, Minky Blankets are the perfect addition to your Easter festivities. Made with ultra-soft and luxurious materials, these blankets will keep you cozy and comfortable, while their stylish designs will add a touch of spring to your day. And with a wide range of colors and patterns to choose from, there's a Minky Blanket for everyone. So this Easter, make your day even brighter with a Minky Couture blanket. Head to minkycouture.com now and find your perfect blanket just in time for Easter. Happy Easter from Minky Couture.
1: Rain of Troy hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line,
0: whatever isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. Let's open up that
1: rave line! woo Oh, I can't believe USC is... Going to do the same thing again, year after year. Oh no. Hello everybody, welcome back to Random of Troy Radio, episode 390, coming to you on Thursday, November 12th. We're gonna look forward to USC's game with Arizona on Saturday, 1230 on Big Fox, the Trojans, and the Wildcats. The season opener for the Wildcats and his game two in a shortened season for the Trojans, we're going to talk about the big storylines, make our predictions, play over, under, and so much more here on this episode. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Google Play, and Omni Studio. Our bonus episodes are on Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. Our email address is Troy at fansetit.com, and our phone number it's 213-373-1USC USC,
0: second it Woodspring show. show.
1: I'm your host, Michael Castillo, Join along with my co-host, Alicia D'Aratola, here in the Rand Troy studio. Hello, everybody. Hello, Alicia. I am jacked up. I'm pumped. All excited for because Saturday.
0: You because your PS5 is arriving on Saturday.
1: That's right. I got a PS5. <laughs> I don't know how the hell I did it. I, you know, we have been jamming. Walmart, refreshing, refreshing, refreshing every three hours to try to get one. And recording this on Thursday afternoon, by the way. And lo and behold, I just go over to Amazon, randomly just pull it up, and there was one available. I purchased it. I'm all excited. Who cares about game day? Saturday is video game day, baby.
0: Well, your ability to get the PS5 was kind of like USC's win over ASU. Yeah, it was just no luck, no luck, no luck, and then all of a sudden, boom! Turn it around. In the last in a three minute span, you went from from uh, zero to hero. So the good gods on you. shine down upon you sometimes, my friend. They do. They do. They, they do. really do. Yep. So I am looking forward to that. I, um, I am not being shined down upon. You have not
1: gotten your PS Five yet. No, you're no. you're, you're slacking.
0: No. So and I'm annoyed because. Uh, under better circumstances, under different circumstances, you could get the PS5, and that would be good for you. But, like, I could just get the Xbox, and it wouldn't be a problem. Nobody wants an Xbox. I don't, I don't need a PS5. No, you know, you like
1: Nobody on Twitter is talking about buying the Xbox. Yeah, because, because the Xbox is nobody, that much
0: easier to get. No, my, because nobody cares. My brothers got theirs without any drama, without any stress. They Because just, there's
1: no demand, because nobody cares. Nobody so the only
0: it. reason I need the PS5 is because the F1 League that we're in... Is because they're better. Everyone has PlayStations, so everyone's going to upgrade to PlayStation 5s. So that means I'm going to have to upgrade to a PlayStation 5. F- Quite frankly, I would be happy to sit here and, and continue to play my Xbox One until the new Elder Scrolls comes out, at which point that will force me to buy a next-gen console. But
1: Elder you know. Scrolls? Are like a game of old people reading? Like, what the hell is that?
0: Yes, they're blind monks reading, uh, reading the Scrolls. For serious or what? For, for serious. I, well no, that is an element of the game. But the game is adventurers in the in a in a land that is uh you know out in the middle of not reality. Yeah, this
1: seems completely unenjoyable. I'm trying like to remember the
0: name games. of the of the land. Like I think it's Tamriel or, or something like that. The last game was Skyrim, which is the the area where the Nords live and they also had Morrowind, which is the area where the Dark Elves live. My favorite video game of all time. People are
1: turning off left and right.
0: They're turning off. No, everyone loves Skyrim. You just don't know.
1: I I hear Skyrim. All I can think of is like the atmosphere because like the rim of the sky.
0: Well, Skyrim was an amazing game and uh, you missed out. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's true.
1: I'll, I'll tell you who goes up into the Skyrim for footballs. Drake
0: London. Uh, indeed, he does.
1: <laughs> he definitely does. Um, yeah, and more of that you can listen to uh, Drake London talk over on the rewatch over on Patreon. There's a terrible segue.
0: But just, uh, you tried. We're just going to
1: roll with it. patreoncom uh, no, uh, no slash Rated Troy. Uh, Alicia, you are doing a weekly rewatch episode. Tell the people what it's all about.
0: Yeah, just uh, getting a second look at the game and then discussing where my mind might have changed, what was reinforced from the game, looking closer at the performance of the offensive line, of the defensive line, the linebackers, everybody, uh, that maybe when you're watching the game first time around, you don't really focus in on some of those positions. Or if you are focusing on in on one position, you're missing some stuff going on with the other. So it's just getting another look at the game and, and seeing how that changes the perception. Sometimes you watch a game and you think it's absolutely crap, and then you rewatch it and you're like, wow, that was actually pretty pretty okay. And sometimes you watch a game and think like, wow, that was amazing. And then you rewatch it and go like, well, actually, I mean, there were some some holes there that maybe we missed because touchdowns were scored or, or that kind of thing. So that's the whole point of the rewatch. And, and yeah, people like it. And you can get deeper into the in-depth analysis by going to Patreon.
1: Yep. All of our bonus episodes over on Patreon, patreon.com slash where you can get all of our bonus episodes for five fifty five 55 per month. Uh, At least we got a ton of news, including a lot of everyone's favorite. Oh yes, COVID talk. Oh yes. Oh, I can't wait. Let's get into it. We see COVID nineteen once again rearing its ugly head. This is like the third wave that we're in the middle of across the nation. California now one of those states that has a uh, what what is it technically called a uh, unmitigated disaster?
0: <laughs> uh, I think I think what, what is it? I hope disaster wasn't necessarily the the, the official term used. Unmitigated spread. Something like is that. what I've uh, is what I've seen thus far, which is not a good thing. One could term it no. a disaster. I, mean, I think
1: like forty eight of the fifty states now are yeah, in I've, that.
0: I've seen the map, and the map is it's, extremely red. It's, yes, it's
1: not good. It, yes. it's very not good. And um, needless to say, this is creeping into the college football world, and there has been a mass spree of cancellations and postponements across college football. This is a list of games that, as of now, we think is complete, but we still might be missing a few. Alabama LSU, Texas A&M, Tennessee, Georgia, Missouri, Auburn, Mississippi State, Memphis, Tennessee, ULM, Arkansas State, Ohio State, Maryland, Air Force, Wyoming, Rice, Louisiana Tech, Georgia Tech, and Pitts, and potentially Cal and ASU.
0: And potentially Utah and UCLA. Yes. Because the, the list is too is too long. It spread onto the next page of our rundown. Yes. Yeah. So the the first 10 that you listed there are the ones that have been officially canceled or postponed or uh, moved to another date, whatever it is. They're not playing this weekend. The last two there are the Pac-12 games that are in doubt for this week. Cal obviously hasn't been able to play because of their contact tracing restrictions in Berkeley. There was some cautious optimism going on on Thursday about whether or not that game could be played, even if they have to push it to Sunday. That's a possibility. But then on Thursday, it came out that ASU didn't practice because of COVID, according to reports. They don't officially release any of their results as far as COVID is concerned, so it's a little bit of a guessing game. But the the reporting from ASU seems to suggest that there is some sort of thing going on with COVID they are talking about maybe being able to practice again on Friday, so hopefully it's something very small. But with COVID, you just never know. The the so the ASU side is now in question. The Cal side has always been in question. the 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 optimism was seeming to grow as the week went on, and and I want to point out what John Wilner said. So he tweeted out on Wednesday. From what I have gathered, the likelihood Cal plays this week are basically like the chances of converting on a fourth and twenty five. Just start to drink London then. Well, then on, th- then on Thursday morning, he said, pass has been completed, receiver lunging for the line to gain. And then later on in the afternoon, he tweeted, the ruling on the field is a first down. However, the replay booth is checking to see if the receiver's knee was down prior to the ball reaching the line to gain, which I thought was a very apt comparison to, to football. putting it in football terms. Cal is hoping to, to get across the line here, but re- replay is involved. And so it's a big old shrug because who knows what replay is going to going to determine so that game is in doubt and then Utah UCLA is looking more and more likely you uh, see uh, Utah's AD Mark Harlan said another good few days in football testing daily testing and preparation continue as we move forward day to day to UCLA let let's all up our efforts and work together to mitigate and fight this virus as always continue to mask up that was the the AD on Twitter so He's signaling that maybe this thing is going to go down on Saturday. It already got moved from Friday to Saturday for Utah-UCLA. It's something that USC fans will want to keep an eye out on because Utah is next week's opponent, and that will be potentially the toughest game of the year if Utah comes out and looks good against UCLA. But they're missing a lot of guys, so at least that scouting will be fascinating if it does go forward.
1: Yeah, uh, that, that's going to be a huge game for SC. Not only is it going to be in the cold. Frigid, potentially one of the most historically cold games in school history, um, but uh, a game that potentially could get canceled when you look at the COVID numbers for the Utes, you look at the uh, the hotspot situation that, that Utah is right now, um, everything seems to be in flux. It almost seems like the season is on the precipice of getting canceled again, um, which seems extreme, but... Again, when you look at this long list of games, can I mean that have been canceled and postponed? Like in the SEC alone, you're you're talking four or five games. Like, at, at what point um, do are people just committed to to just writing it out, or do you, would you be surprised if if things got shuttered again?
0: I you know what I think at this point it'll take quite a bit. I think it'll take big teams like Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson having games shut down and then the playoff really being in doubt. But it seems that people really want to chug forward with this. The problem really is that people don't necessarily have control over some things. And if this latest rash of cancellations is related to Halloween, can you imagine what it's going to look like after Thanksgiving? I I, I think that should be the thing that everyone worries about because – Halloween gatherings, some Halloween parties where I think some players, I don't think that's the case in, in all these situations, but we do know in a, in a few situations, Halloween parties seem to be at the root of the problem. So if just those gatherings were enough, more people are going to gather on Thanksgiving than 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 gathered on Halloween. That much is for sure.
1: Yeah, th- this is why people need to take after me and just cancel Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's a trash <laughs> holiday. Once you realize that, your, your risk for COVID goes way down. Uh,
0: yeah, no, no. Uh, I love Halloween it's a great holiday obviously we should all celebrate as safely as possible stay within your pod uh the, the you know close family units my family has already nixed the normal thanksgiving meal that we have where we have a big collection of different families coming together it's just going to be my immediate uh, my immediate pod of my family uh for thanksgiving so you know that's what we're going to do but everybody's got to be as safe as possible that doesn't mean that you can't end up even if you're safe like that's you know you and i know somebody who tested positive for the virus who has been safe who uh doesn't know where they got it and it's kind of one of those scary things where it can jump out of nowhere and if and if that person were involved in the football program at usc they could have done everything right and still been you know a cause for for concern uh, as far as uh, potential cancellations as far as potential quarantines and all that kind of stuff so everyone is dealing not just with the potential, the the potential uh, problem of college students making bad decisions, but even college students who are making good decisions can still have this be all thrown out of whack because they go to Thanksgiving and it just so happens that you know Uncle Tom or whatever is an asymptomatic carrier of the virus who spreads it, like you know one one way or another. It's it's just those kinds of things. So this is a. Uh, a problem that, uh, that we need to keep an eye out for and, and be as careful as possible. But it's also, you gotta, you gotta take every day at a time, right? You gotta see, you know, what's the threshold, how many games need to get canceled in a week before we talk about canceling the whole season. I think it's more than 10, but
1: yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens next week. If this continues, if it's going to be another round of upwards of 15 games, um, what does that mean for next week? Is it going to get worse? Is it going to get better? I don't know. I, I feel like as as the year goes on, there's going to be more and more reasons for people to gather, um, with holidays and, and whatnot. So it's going to be a difficult situation, not just for football but for our our country as a whole. And um, hopefully, you guys listening are staying safe. Um, and uh, and our thoughts are all with you. Uh, let's get to talking about SC and Arizona. Um, in terms of the injury report. Uh, Saturday's game going on as scheduled as of now. <laughs> we haven't heard anything, uh, knock on wood, that that stays the same. Uh, 12.30 p.m. on Big Fox, going to be Joel Klatt and Gus Johnson yet again. Uh, two people who will not be participating, at least one that's for sure not participating, is Brandon Peely out with his broken finger. We talked about this uh, in the last episode. Uh, and then Brett Nealon, who got hurt, in the middle of the season opening against ASU last week with an ankle injury. He is doubtful. Um, at this rate, I, I can't imagine he plays, but uh, Clay Helton's calling it doubtful. We'll see how that goes on Saturday.
0: Clay Helton's calling it very doubtful. So I think that should tell you everything you need to know about how USC is preparing for this this game with, with Justin Dietrich getting the start. It would be pretty shocking if if that didn't happen the intriguing one is Brandon Peely. As I've said before, I, I'm not sure why a broken finger needs to keep a defensive lineman out, but USC is not uh, USC's keeping things a little bit closer to the vest as far as their injury information that they're giving us. So I don't know. I I don't know. Big shrug on that one. Uh, thank God for Marlon Tupelo being so good, and uh, hopefully he can continue to be so good when USC takes on on Arizona, but... The big, the big uh, question mark will be what Justin Dietrich is able to do, what he's able to show, and and if he's uh, can keep it as mistake free as possible to keep Keaton Slovis upright and and the running game moving.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a uh, big matchup in terms of improvement for SCS. He's going to have to give uh, a showing that shows that they've kind of made do on all the mistakes from last week. We're going to talk about the game a little bit more in depth in a few minutes. Uh, Before we do, I want to touch back on the Utah game really quick. Um, I think we mentioned it in the last episode. It's going to be a 7.30 p.m. game on
0: ESPN. Which will be 8.30 local time.
1: 8.30 local time. How do you feel about that kickoff? Because there has been a ton of stuff that I've seen on social media of um, people arguing neglect on the conference's uh, behalf for having a game so late in a city that is so cold where 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 do you sit on this
0: well first i would like to update uh my iphone the forecast is now stretching through next saturday and the low for next saturday in salt lake city is 27 degrees Mm. which should be fun Mm. yeah it's a little chilly
1: i believe that is Below freezing.
0: Well, tw- so 29, it, 20 degrees is the lowest ever that USC has played football in. That was in Notre Dame, and it would believe it was 1959, or was it, it was in one of the 1950s years.
1: When you were there, did they talk about that game as like a historic game? Like <laughs> the, on the frozen tundra uh, of, I, of South Bend?
0: I have only ever been to South Bend once, thank you. Well, were uh, you
1: like an online student or what? <laughs>
0: um
1: Notre Dame online I haven't seen that at no you time. haven't seen ASU that at yeah at yeah
0: exactly <laughs> uh but uh but the second coldest games on record were 29 degrees and a few of those were at Notre Dame and the most recent one was was at Colorado uh, in 20 2012 or 2013 and then uh, last year's Colorado game was technically a cold weather game at 40 degrees so there's a big difference between 40 degrees and 29 degrees or 28 degrees obviously it might not be that cold it might be colder it's hard to say you know still a week and a half out but uh, that's something to to worry about my thing on this is that i don't think the pac-12 is the one making these decisions espn fox the tv partners are the ones who choose the games it's not like the pac-12 goes okay usc and utah you're gonna you're gonna play the late game no it's it's there's a bidding process for tv partners to pick their games and sometimes you're going to end up with the early games like this week where USC's on on uh, at 12:30 and sometimes you're going to end up with the late games where USC ends up on uh, on uh, on the later sk- schedule at 7:30. So that's just that's just part of the deal. And when you're the Pac-12 and you're scrambling and scratching just to recoup the money that you that you need to to keep your athletic departments running, I don't think you can sp- you can spurn that time slot when it's valuable to your TV partners, um, you know, color USC has played late games in Colorado late. It it was cold, you know. Uh, if Utah was playing at home against anybody, regardless of whether it was USC, it's going to be cold. If Washington State is playing at home, it's going to be cold and potentially raining. Uh, if if you know, uh, there there's everybody is dealing with their own. With their own weather stuff. It just happens. I don't think it's unfair for USC to have to go to cold weather and play. Wisconsin's playing. Well, they're not playing. But in theory, Wisconsin would be playing in this weather every week. In theory, Iowa would be playing in this weather every week. You know, it's it's uh, an advantage that USC doesn't often have to play in this weather.
1: The, the high next week is 43. So, now 43 to 27. Like, <laughs> There's a big difference yeah. there. But, like, it's still 43 if they played in the daytime. In the daytime, yeah. You know,
0: It'd still be cold, way yeah. colder than USC is used to. The, and the,
1: the, the way I look at it, football is a game that can be played in the cold. Um, I, I've seen plenty of tweets saying that this is a sign of of Larry Scott's mismanagement. And, and I think that where it comes from is we know that the Arizona schools are protected when it comes to September kickoffs. Because yeah, they, except because they have nighttime kickoffs. But, but
0: that's, that's a health issue. Twenty nine playing in twenty nine degrees is not like playing in one hundred and fifteen degrees.
1: Especially when one hundred and fifteen degrees on on field surf in Tucson means yeah. that the field is like a hundred and forty. Yeah, degrees.
0: that's a that's a health and safety issue.
1: Right, and, and I don't I don't think the snow is so no
0: certainly no, not the snow not, and not certainly the not the cold. Way. I mean, if if it was gonna be you know fifteen degrees, yeah, I might say okay, right. this is, but it's not like they govern that. Also, it's funny because a lot of the same people who will complain about this kind of thing. Would also say that USC is soft and like isn't the ultimate proof of your of your toughness going and playing in the cold and still being able to win like if you can't go to Utah and win in twenty in twenty seven degree weather then you're just not tough enough you, couldn't that be said?
1: Also, I think it's worth noting it's twenty seven degrees uh, next Saturday, but that that's the low. Um, but there's only a fifty percent. Um, chance of precipitation the, the day before and that's rain. Yeah. So it's not like it's going to be snow. Um I I don't mean, I, I don't, it, I don't see the big deal. The other I, thing I really is know.
0: genuinely I think aside like the cold is not the most of my worries. The the, the number one worry for me is the altitude. So yeah. like if if you want to get mad at USC having to do something that raises the difficulty of their travel, it's going to play in altitude. Like
1: Yeah <laughs> let, me, let me put it this way. I don't think that I think the cold is absolutely something SC should worry about. I don't think it's egregious that they have.
0: That they have to play a night game in Utah? No, I don't yes. think it's. Right. I don't think it's this, a problem this is at all. That's what football is. Yeah, it's is. football. Yeah.
1: Anyways, uh, let's get to SC's football game on Saturday, USC in Arizona, in Tucson, where it will not be 137 degrees on the field like it was way back in 2016, which was. Thank God. Uh, awfully nuts. Nice. Uh, we'll be right back. All right, Alicia, let's talk about this. USC and the Wildcats playing 12.30 p.m., Big Fox. Uh, This is a big game because, like we said, SC's got to prove that they've kind of gotten over the hump of last week's struggles. Um, Big if there. Um, And it's a potential letdown spot. Letdown look-ahead sandwich with ASU last week and the big win uh, at the death in miracle fashion. Going... Uh, into Utah next week, this is a potential trap game against Arizona, especially an Arizona team that you don't know what you're going to get. I think you know what you're going to get in 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 a little bit of sense, but they haven't played this so far this year. The game last week against Washington was, uh, was canceled, so we don't know um, what's going to happen. Not Washington. Against, against Utah. Against Utah was canceled. There was that talk that they were going to potentially play Washington.
0: Because Cal's game against Washington. Right. Right,
1: but didn't come to fruition. So w- what do you make of this in terms of importance for SC? Um, obviously, to keep the the Pac-12 South hopes and the Pac-12 Crown hopes and the playoff hopes and all that kind of stuff. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Yeah, I, I, know, I know. At this point, they seem like uh, extremely far-fetched. But uh, in order to keep all that stuff alive, you got to keep winning, but... Beside that, uh, how important is this, is this game for you?
0: It's incredibly important because this is a, an opponent that USC should steamroll. <laughs> you know, if they were a playoff caliber team, they'd steamroll Arizona. And USC doesn't get to make the excuse of, oh, it's just one of those days because they had one of those days on Saturday. So like when you have one of those days, two weeks in a row, then maybe it's not just one of those days. Maybe that's who you are. And Arizona's defense is significant. We talked about skepticism over Arizona State's defense because of their 4-3 alignment. But the players on that defense, they returned a lot of guys. They had a really good secondary. Uh, they had, you know, strong defensive minds on that uh, on that staff. So you knew that they were going to be well-drilled. We just thought they weren't going to be suited to playing USC's air raid. Well, it turns out they were. What they, what they schemed worked out. And then the players went out and made plays. They, you know we can talk about USC giving them four turnovers but they also forced four turnovers kudos to ASU for doing that arizona's defense is not in the in the same universe as asu's defense it hasn't been for yeah, years arizona yeah arizona's defense is not in the same universe as the sun devils not even slightly they haven't been good for since i can remember and they've gotten worse and worse and worse every year. They had to fire their defensive coordinator from last year, and the guy they brought in to hire him hasn't had a good defense since 2009. So, you know, Paul Rhodes is the is the guy that comes in. He's transitioning them from a 4-3 to a 3-4, which in theory is is better suited to playing the air raid. But at the same time, they lost their best two linebackers. They lost uh, Colin Schooler, and they lost Tony Fields to transfer. So they're down personnel. They're installing a new system, they are light on depth in the, key, in the key positions that they need for that new system, and they weren't any good last year anyways. So there's no reason that USC shouldn't put up a hell of a lot of points on this defense. Now, I, I want to see USC's defense turn around and respond in, in turn, but uh, ASU's offense is the only thing that you got to worry I'm oh, sorry. Arizona's offense is the only thing you got to worry about here. Remember
1: my mom, right now, she'd be like, Arizona, is this, is that, the, is that Phoenix
0: or Tucson? Or, yeah, Phoenix or Tucson. It's Tucson. Uh, but it's just, it's just not a matchup that USC should be losing or even USC should be allowing to stay close. So to me, it's important. Number one, being on Big Fox. You do need to start winning the eye test. You do need to, even if no one thinks ASU, if no one thinks Arizona is any good, you still need to blow them out. Like, that's the whole point. You need to look impressive. And you might get a pass for ASU, but you have to start putting on the style points against Arizona if you're going to talk about potential playoff contention. And and I don't care if you think the playoff is unlikely. I don't care if you think the playoffs not going to get played. Right now, the playoff is on. Right now, USC is undefeated, so right now we should be talking about what will it take for USC to slip in there, and that's what it'll take.
1: Especially since the standard for what it takes to get into the playoff is the standard that I think fans hold the team to, right? That's where people are judging SC. That's certainly where people are judging Clay Elton. Clay Elton gets no benefit of the doubt at all, um, and rightfully so for given how things have gone for so long, that's where the standard is for SC, so you have to look in that direction. And, yeah, based on last week, like we talked about, it'd be so easy to say that last week's struggles with the four turnovers and all the points left on the field and all that kind of stuff would be easy to chalk up to week one jitters in a pandemic when ASU had more hours of on-field preparation and all that stuff. It'd be really easy to, to, to say that except for the fact that those were so many of the same mistakes that we've seen from this team year after year after year after year after year. And so Essie needs to go out and prove that, that they were first-week first uh, first mistakes. How do you prove that? By finishing off your drives. By not struggling against the team that, that, that is beneath you. Um And I'm sorry, but Arizona's beneath SC right now. 100%. I, I think they have one player that I think that is going to be very interesting to watch and is on a somewhat similar level to what SC can bring, and that's Grant Cannell. Um, I'm not going to say that Grant Cannell is equal to Keaton Slovis, but I think he's equal to Keaton Slovis in terms of being an intriguing factor for his team. Um, Last year, we we saw him... Come in um in the SC game. SC led that game as many as by as many as 34 points. SC was up 34-0. Uh, they win it ultimately 41-14 at the Coliseum. You know, Keenan Christian has two big touchdowns in his coming out party after the injuries to Malpeye, Step, and Carr. And Grant Gunnell comes in for Khalil Tate, who ultimately Leaves the game with with an injury slash plenty of ineffectiveness. Yes. Let's be real. It was ineffectiveness. And um, Grant Gannell comes in, throws 26 passes, completes a bunch of them, uh, puts together two touchdown drives. Um, And I think if you're Grant Gannell, you feel a lot of confidence coming out of that game. And you look at his numbers last year. He had a quarterback rating of 150, nine touchdowns to one pick. That is someone you have to feel good about with your future. Um, if you're the Wildcats, if you're Kevin Sumlin, Kevin Sumlin's job is on the line. Grant Gannell is someone that you're going to want to believe in. And I think he's going to be very good, especially in a conference right now that doesn't have that many returning quarterbacks. Uh Keaton Slovis and, and Jaden Daniels are being talked about as the two best quarterbacks in the conference. They're both sophomores. Um Grant Gannell's a sophomore. And you can make a really strong argument Grant Gannell's the third best quarterback in the conference, right? Like that's how crazy the conference is in terms of having a lack of veterans uh, at the quarterback position. It's it's Chase Garbers or it's Grant Cannell. Flip a coin about who's number three. And SC gets him in week two. I think that's going to be a tough matchup, and we get to see what this offense can be with Arizona. We know that they've always been good. They've always been you know on offense. The, 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 there'll be a challenge. They're not going to be a complete pushover. Uh, Grant Cannell doesn't bring the the threat to run that Khalil Tate did. But I think he, he's got a better arm. He, we'll see what he can do um, in, in the passing game. Gary Brightwell is back. Um, as a running back, J.J. Taylor, after like 94 years on this roster, is no longer there. But Arizona's going to be able to put up points. SC should be able to put up twice as many points. And that's what it comes down to. If you're SC, if, you, if you're going to prove that you're the contender in the Pac-12 South in the conference and, and nationally that people have said you could be go and prove it on the field
0: go and do yeah. it i mean at least on offense at least on offense just go out there and make it not matter what your defense does for once and and that's going to be that's going to be the thing i'm looking for because you're right grant cannell is an intriguing quarterback now we didn't get to see him last year in too many live pressure situations he came in late in a lot of games and looked good and he came in against some bad defenses and looked good, like like UCLA. So we're gonna find out what he looks like against, well, in in, in real time with the game on the line against a defense that's gonna be aggressive and and try to put pressure on him. But ASU's, uh, sorry, I'm gonna get this wrong every single time. Arizona's uh, uh, offense is is all about tempo. They're gonna try the try to keep USU's defense on on their heels. And just get the ball quick and move, 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 move. So USC's defense is going to have to adjust to that. They're going to have to figure themselves out. And while we all want them to perform better than they did last week, there is still potential growing pains that are going to be going on there. USC's offense need to, needs to make that not matter at all. Because this matchup on the other side, it's just, it's it's laughable. And we're, we're you know, crapping all over Arizona just enough for them to turn up and, and have a good game, but... I cannot stress how not good this Arizona defense is is set up to be, and USC has to take advantage of that. USC, if Graham Harrell is the elite offensive coordinator that he uh, wants to be, that that USC wants him to be, if Keenan Slovis is the elite quarterback, if if Drake London and Amara St. Brown and Tyler Vons are the elite wide receivers, if the running back core is is as good as they looked against ASU, then it shouldn't even be a question. It really shouldn't. There. There's just, it's just going to be about whether or not USC shoot, shoots themselves in the foot. And we've seen them do it quite enough times to say it's certainly possible, but that'll be on USC. Yeah.
1: You, you look at the numbers last year, Arizona's defense really struggled, particularly in the passing game. Uh, they gave up 373 yards to Northern Arizona. Uh, they gave up uh, 322 to Stanford. Uh, that was with Davis Mills. Uh SC only had 247. I remember that game last year we talked about how, you know, even though SC was up 34 nothing at one point, that was a game in which SC threw away the first four drives, because mm-hmm. they went three and out on the very first four drives, they could have been up 50 to nothing.
0: In that game easily. Yeah. Probably should have
1: been. Yes. Uh, given the way how SC's offense had, had been and clicking
0: that, at times. And that defense was wor- had better personnel than this one will.
1: But that defense had Marcel Yates as the defensive coordinator, and this one has Paul Rhodes. Uh, who, we don't know if Paul Rhodes is going to be better, but he, if he's better, it's probably going to be marginal, right? So who knows what it's going to be. Either way, SC needs to come out here uh, and really exert their will. Um On offense. Uh, Let's talk about defensively a little bit more, talking about going up against Grant Gannell. Um, SC has a very good pass defense. We've talked about this before. Uh, Bill Connolly has raved about USC's pass defense. How do you like this matchup, considering that this is Noel Mazzoni? He's only going to run like six plays. Uh, The the offense is simple, but it's also um, a rhythm offense. Uh, like, Like you mentioned, And what Grant Gannell can do is kind of get in a rhythm in the passing game. We know SC's strength is the secondary. You look at IPM and Hufanga at safety and the bevy of talent at corner with with Steele uh, and all those guys, OG, ITS at corner. Is this a matchup that you think that just works in SC's favor defensively? Because Gannell's not going to be able to burn them with the legs. The the linebackers are not going to get burned in that same way that Jaden Daniels did. And they did not let Jane Daniels throw at all last week. Part of that was because I think Jane Daniels is erratic. Part of it was be, was good defense on USC's behalf, and part of it was ASU kind of chose that. Um, where, where's the thing? Because I choose not to pass. Run. Pass. <laughs> choose not to pass. Yes, especially in the second half, ASU chose not to pass.
0: Yeah. Well, it's it is the the offenses are are different. The quarterbacks are definitely different stylistically, so USC being able to transition from playing one to the other will be part of the part of the challenge there. But yeah, I don't I don't know that I don't know that Arizona's offense is capable of putting up the forty points that they need to put up against any defense, let alone USC's defense with the talent that they have, uh, in order to really challenge in this game. You know, maybe maybe uh uh a, a Turnover, to will be something that, that flips the game around for them or defensive points, special teams points, all of that kind of stuff. But this, this Arizona this Arizona offense is just not uh, – I don't know. I, I think they still have so much to prove. Grant Cannell still has so much to prove. He looks promising, but we haven't seen anything more than just promising in garbage time. Uh, he's probably going to be without his best wide receiver – because uh, Jamar Joyner is coming off of a, a foot surgery and is questionable for Saturday. So he was their leading receiver last year. He probably isn't going to play. And if he does play, he'll be coming off of that of that injury. So it's not like Arizona is chock full of, of really top level talent in the skill positions. It's not like they have a formidable offensive line if Marlon Tupelotu plays the way that he did against ASU, if Nick Figueroa plays the way that he did against ASU, if Drake Jackson plays the way that he did against ASU, I think Grant Cannell is going to face a world of hurt, potentially. So that's the way that I would see it. Again, I would say that my skepticism around USC's defense is maybe a little bit greater than any skepticism I have about USC's offense. But that skepticism doesn't change the fact that USC's defense should, and I say this a lot around USC, but should be able to hold this ASU offense to an acceptable point margin. I, I I actually think this is a case of optimistic, Alicia. I'm just saying, Arizona might come out and, and shock me, but...
1: Well, I mean, if we if the criticism of this USC defense is that they're too much like Clancy Pendergast's defense,
0: what do we know about Clancy Pendergast's defense? They sh- shut down this Arizona offense the last couple of years. Well,
1: yes, but, but what do we know about them in general? That's... SC's defense does a very good job of keeping teams to, like, exactly 24 to 27 points. Yes. Which, with this offense, is more than enough to win games. Is it going to be enough to win a national championship? Probably not. Uh, Is it going to be enough to win a Pac-12 championship? Maybe not. Is it going to be enough to win a whole bunch of games because you have an offense that can score 40 points? Absolutely. So... Yeah, let, let's, let's see what, what happens here when SCs can go out there and have a game in which they don't struggle in the red zone. Mind you, that's a big if. Uh, but if SC doesn't, they'll be in position to win the game. Uh, let's take a quick break, come back, and get into Over Under, shall we? So you're going over. I'm feeling bold. Give me that over. I'll go under. I got to take an under here. I got three unders to take. I'm going to do an under here. All right, Alicia, it is time for over and under. Last week, you went two and five. I went five and two. I'm feeling good about that. Um, Again, this is with the new format. Um, We set the lines, and uh, the other person uh, gets locked into which side they picked. And then you have to take the other side because you are the house. And, of course, you guys listening are playing as well. Uh, Go into the show notes, and you can find a link to the Google form where you can make your picks and submit them and play along with us. We'll track your picks this week along with the rest of the season, and we'll see where you fare compared to me, Alicia, and all of the other Rotbots. Alicia, what's your first over-under?
0: All right. I'm going with sort of a a group over-under here. Ten point five carries, and that is for Carr, Step, and Malapai-, Malapai each.
1: So, so this is a ten and a half parlay on all
0: three of them. Yes. So last Saturday, uh, Carr had ten carries, Step had fourteen carries, and Malapai had eight carries. So they were just two carries off of that potential total. Um I think that uh, I was thinking about doing like a total, like how many carries will USC have in general, but I think it's more interesting it's, if it's those three, because I think there's a chance that we get into garbage time here and then you'll see Keenan and Kristen get some, some touches and Quincy Jaunty and those kinds of things. But I want to know how USC is going to split, if it's going to be an even split, not necessarily even in the sense of they all get the same number of carries, but they all get double digit carries.
1: I've never seen a line I want to take less than this thing. <laughs> Give me the under. Like, okay, there's a million things that can come up here. Someone just gets a, a hangnail; they're not going to get ten and a half carries. Someone fumbles the ball; they're probably not going to get ten and a half carries and get, get taken out. Like, there's too many moving parts here. Um, if you would have said maybe two of them get more that. Uh, Ten and a half on on USC's top two carri- uh, ball carriers, I, I might have taken it, but for all three, no, too many moving parts. Uh, what if SC, uh, uh, to use Madden terms, has a bunch of one play touchdowns <laughs> and then they don't run that many plays? Like, I mean, it's it I, I don't know, like it's no, there's too many moving factors. This is, and people listening at home, you all should be taking the under two because. There's no way this is coming I, through. I so
0: no wanted way. you to take the under. I'm excited about this one.
1: You are a crazy person. I am. And I will cut this this audio uh, <laughs> and, and and play it back to make me look like an idiot when you get it. But, Let's do it. Yeah. You know, there's no way this is coming through for you.
0: I think it will. No,
1: no, no, no. Uh, my first over-under is going to be eight and a half over-under eight and a half catches for Drake London. Uh, he had eight for a hundred and twenty-five yards against ASU. Uh, eight tied his career high. He had eight for a buck forty-five. Uh, sorry, a buck forty-two against UCLA last year. All right. So, I'm so can he get a new career high in catches?
0: I'm actually. I think it's entirely possible that he gets the new career high in catches. I would never bet against Drake London, so don't view this as betting against Drake London. But I'm going to take the under here, and that's just playing the odds because. USC has had it happen where one game somebody's the primary guy and then the next game is a Tyler Vaughn's game or an Alvin Ross St. Brown game or maybe it's a Brew McCoy game. So I think that there's just too many other receivers who could be the, the, the featured guy. And I think there's a possibility USC doesn't. Again, what if USC has a bunch of one play touchdowns? And Drake London has you know three yeah, catches for so three much. touchdowns, so you know it, it, I think uh, playing the odds. I think the odds are that it, it's le- more likely that he'll have under eight catches. But do not catch me doubting him for one second. If he gets the over, then good on him.
1: All right, I uh, I feel good sitting on that over then. If you're going to take the under, yeah, yeah, it could, it could go either way. I thought the line was kind of right I, it's the, it's tough because I,
0: I think both are are extremely possible.
1: I think it's possible that he gets keyed on, and um, keyed on, and keyed on throws to uh, Tyler Vons.
0: <laughs> that, that's my thinking, too. That's yeah. definitely my thinking.
1: Uh, what's your next over-under?
0: All right, we're going at 4.9 yards per carry that USC's defense allows. So they gave up 6.79 to yards per carry to ASU. Last year, Arizona averaged 4.63 yards per carry, but Gary Brightwell, the new starter at running back, Average 5.91, so he had a, a, some nice explosiveness to him. So I'm, I'm curious, will USC be able to keep Arizona under five yards per carry?
1: I'm going to say yes. Um, A little bit hopeful, a you're little falling bit optimistic.
0: Into the, you're falling into the same trap that I did last week.
1: I know. I know I'm just, I'm going to say yes, and I think part of the reason is because I don't know that they're going to be as no, Mazzoni's offense is not as for being a spread offense. It's like a um it's it's your um it's your parent spread. It's not your it's not your cool cousin's spread. You know what I mean? It's, it's no, a, it's a little tempered. It's a, uh, it's, a it's a tempered <laughs> spread. Okay, what are, It's a margarita spread. Whatever it's it's you not say. a Long Island iced tea spread. Okay. I don't know where this is going. I don't
0: know where this the, is the going point either. Is,
1: it's not as exciting and, and high-flying of a spread as what Boise State runs. Okay. And maybe this is just completely anecdotal BS that I'm just spewing out here, but I don't I don't view Noel Mazzonius being that much of a forward thinker to provide that much misdirection and to also capitalize on what SC makes mistakes on. Yeah. Um, I think that if you're Zach Hill... Uh, ASU's new defense, uh, offensive coordinator, that you have more uh, inherent risk-taking abilities and more of a progressive offense to get some sort of high... I'm just talking a lot of BS just to validate my my under here, but I'm taking the um,
0: under. Uh, do whatever you say. All right. You lost me at the, at the parents' spread I, versus I, your I, co- I, <laughs> I, All
1: right. Uh, my next over under, uh, along with rushing nerds here, Over under 0.5 rushing yards for the game for Grant Gannell. Oh. Does he end up in positive yardage? And the reason I mention this, he rushed for 14 yards last year on 32 carries. That includes sacks, mind you. I don't know exactly how many times he got sacked. That number is not an easy number to find when you look up uh, statistics. But he had positive yardage in five of eight games. Uh, And SC, famously now allowed 111 rushing yards to Jaden Daniels last week.
0: That is a very interesting line to deal with. Hmm. I tend to think that USC's pass rush will show out in this game. But will that... Because here's the problem. They could sack him for short yard, you know, two, two, three yards here every, day, every time and then one 15-yard rush kind of wipes a lot of those away. But if they sack him for, like, 14 yards, then... Right. Oh, dear. Okay. Um. I Again, I'm going to play the odds. I don't like it, but I'm going to play the odds. I think it's more likely that it ends up with at least one yard rushing in the end. One yard just in the end. Uh, Even with, even with getting sacked a bunch of times. So I will go with the over here. It's a very, very unconfident over. But it's playing the odds.
1: I like the over there. I think I probably would have taken the over too. Yeah. Um, but um I'm not feeling too bad about the under. I think that if SC sacks him a couple times, um that puts the onus on him it's, to, to it, scramble more.
0: It's how he gets sacked is really the right. the yeah. question
1: there. Absolutely. Uh what's your last over under?
0: All right, we're going back to a to a tried and true one. Three ninety nine point five passing yards for Keaton Slovitz. Is he going to break the four hundred yard mark? Under. He had 232 last year against, against Arizona.
1: I think SC absolutely could throw for 400 yards in this game. I wouldn't be shocked if Keen Slovis threw for 400 yards in this game. SC but threw for 381 last week. Um, I think if this game goes the way SC needs it to, he throws like 350 and SC runs for 250. Uh, in the sense that I think that SC throws the ball early and often uh, and coasts in the second half by running the football. Uh, So give me 350. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he had more success and a more impressive game, but was less productive um, in terms of strictly the stats when you look at last week.
0: So my my saving grace here is that USC blew out Cal and blew out UCLA, and those were games that he got over 400 yards passing yeah, because I wouldn't be surprised some, if he did. Because of some big plays, but it needs to be some big plays for the receivers for for chunk yardage. So it is uh, on a knife's edge there, but yeah.
1: Yeah, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was close or if he got it either way, but I'll, I'll take the the under. Uh, my last over-under is over-under 70.0, 7, straight up 70, red zone conversion rates for USC. This includes field goals. This is true red zone conversion. SC was 67.7% last week, which seems high compared to how that game panned out. But understand why SC uh, scored on four TDs, Uh, had four TDs in their six trips to the red zone.
0: And you're like, what? And two of those were on fourth downs at the very end in the last two minutes of the game. This is, again, because
1: SC um, got lucky that the red zone starts at the 20-yard line, not the 25. Starts at the 25 they would have had a 50% conversion rate because SC had drives that ended at the 25 and the 24, Mm -hmm. uh, I believe, last week. Um, And those would have drastically lowered their numbers to four TDs on eight trips. Um, Arizona ranked 118th in red zone defense last year, uh, allowing scores on 90.57% of drives. Again, that was under Marcel Yates. Now it's Paul Rhodes, the former Iowa State head coach. Uh, what's say you over under give 70.
0: me give me the over and that's because again Arizona's defense is not very good and b because I'm not sure that USc will have a ton of red Zone appearances necessarily. I think there's a chance that they only have like two or three because they're scoring longer touchdowns. so uh, I think the uh if they if they just get you know a field if they have to settle for a field goal once or twice that's that's not a death nail, but I think they'll be able to close out drives. Significantly better against this defense.
1: All right. That's going to be a uh, optimistic one for you. Mm-hmm. I like a lot of your picks. I'm
0: I little, don't. Uh, I'm a little nervous.
1: I'm, that, that this could be, could be a good week for Well,
0: you. I hope it is. But uh, you know what? Over-under is not a game that, uh, that is very based on, like,
1: is this. it based though?
0: I don't it's based. <laughs> I, I think over under is uh is a is a difficult thing to get right. I think you can make the right picks and still be wrong. Like for instance, the Drake London one. I think I'm making the right pick and I could still be wrong.
1: Yeah, you, you never know. Uh let's get into predictions. Uh Bill Connolly's numbers say that SC's gonna win this game by seventeen point three points. He has SC winning forty two to twenty four. Uh, that looks like a football score. Uh, Vegas says SC by 10, which is interesting because the line opened at 14. The over under is at 67 and a half. It opened at 61 and a half. So, does Vegas know something we don't about a potential low score in this game or what?
0: Mm, I I think that that people are betting on Arizona st- on Arizona here because USC can't be trusted on the road and I think, I think that then extends to you can't trust USC's offense on the road. So that would be my guess, but...
1: What, what's, what's your prediction? All
0: right, I'm going USC 33, Arizona 23. I don't think USC will cover the spread because they just don't do that. I think 33 points is... I've now decided that the disappointing USC offense is 33 points a game. I just spent all this pod talking about how USC should trash Arizona's defense, but... I think the individual errors will still probably be there and deny them a touchdown or two that they should have. And then Arizona, I think that uh Grant Cannell is gonna is gonna be able to find his receivers a few times and USC's defense is going to be you know good on five or six plays and then bad on the sixth or seventh. So they'll give up some points here.
1: Yeah, I, I don't I don't like um taking SC against the spread here. Um just based on the confidence the The little confidence I had based on last week, and um, that we know that SC it it is we we didn't talk about it. It's the Pac-12 road opener. It is dun dun dun. Um, and it's the the letdown look ahead spot uh, with Utah coming up next week. All of that I think factors in here, and there are all reasons to worry and all reasons to say that SC comes out and and lays an egg. Um, those are all non football reasons because all the football reasons say that SC should win this game. Uh, by scoring a ton of points on offense, and at worst, losing a shootout. Um, and so the the way I look at it, I think the saving grace for SC in this is that it's Arizona's first game. They didn't have a game to work out the kinks. You know SC did. SC had four turnovers inside the 25 when you, when you count uh, turnovers on downs. And I have to imagine they're not going to repeat that feat again. I think they might make a bunch of mistakes. I'm not sure it's going to be that uh, overt um, in terms of strictly turnovers. I think it's more likely that SC finishes off some of those drives. And so I have SC winning 40 to 24. I'm not sure that this is going to be an impressive win, but I think it's going to be more in line with SC doing enough to finish off those drives. And again, that's a 16-point margin. I'm not sure I feel good about that margin based on a million things, but Arizona hasn't had a game to work out all their kinks yet. SC has. Um, In theory, if they just... If they just addressed a quarter of the mistakes they they did last week, then they're winning this game by 16 points. Yep. That's the way I look at it, because I think ASU is a team that's way better than than U of A. Um, And so, if SC struggled... to. To beat them. Uh, they should be able to beat Arizona a little bit easier. Again, I am worried about the idea of this being one of those games in which SC uh, comes in on a letdown off, the, off of the miracle win with the look-ahead spot to Utah. So be wary of that. Um, but again, go make your picks on over under. Check the show notes here. We'll also tweet it, tweet it out, the link, uh, so you can get your picks and participate this week. Um, let's get into the mailbag. You've got mail. Alright, Alicia, we missed a text message we got from Jonathan, so I gotta get to it now. Uh, he says, what a game. Uh, this was right on Saturday after the game. Uh, a lot of things to fix, but they fought back, and there's some things to build on. At one point before Brew McCoy's TD, ASU had a 99.9% winning percentage. Despite not playing exceptional, Keaton and Drake are some studs. Which unit do you think needs to make the most adjustments? You Uh
0: That would be the linebackers and the offensive line. I
1: think that's a simple way of putting it. I,
0: if you have any concerns about this team, it, it really hinges on the linebackers how, and how the offensive you, line.
1: How do you feel about Didich going in there, being the backup on the, on the the offensive line? Do you think that changes much, swapping in Didich for, 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 for Nealon? Because... I feel like it doesn't for me. Like it to me, those two guys switching spots almost doesn't register as a major change. And not that that's a knock on Neilan. I'm not that sure that it's a big kudos to to Didić. But I, I just I don't separate those two guys in my mind much. Um, maybe maybe it's a it's a, it's a well, weak take.
0: Okay, know. so Didić is not significantly better, or Neilan is not significantly better than Dietrich. Uh. Which is why he's the starter. But it's not, it's like a one two kind of combination. I think the Nealon, chemistry could matter. Nealon is more reliable in terms of not missing a block or missing an assignment or anything like that. Whereas Dietrich is more reliable physically. So in this game, it's going to be interesting. Uh, the nose tackle for Arizona is 318 pound grad transfer Roy Lopez. His backup is three hundred forty-five pound miles, Tapusosa, Tapusoa, Tapusoa. Sorry, got that wrong. Um, Those guys would concern me slightly, uh, especially knowing that uh, they've got a three hundred pound tackle and a two hundred ninety-three pound end. You know, they've got some size on the defensive line that they're going to throw at USC and Nealon is not to be trusted against big powerful guys on the inside that's where deitch brings in a slight advantage so if he can keep his mind in the game and keep his assignments straight and keep the chemistry with the with the guards intact i would actually trust him more against those powerful uh powerful defensive linemen but he, you know it's a big that's a big if if yeah. he can play mistake free
1: yeah, it's, it's a big if. Um, the good thing is he'll have had the whole week of practice, um, which I think is going to be beneficial. He's not getting thrown in there. And the other thing is I don't think that the offensive line played poorly after Neilon went down. Uh, I think they there were major breakdowns early on in the game and really consistently through the game to, to the point that I can't say that Tidic was the problem.
0: No, I don't. Week. I don't think that Dietrich was a problem. There was one or two plays that I remember he was uh, a little bit shaky, but it was the same kind of things that Jimmins and and Voorhees and Mackenzie right. were getting caught in the whole game. Yeah, so it's it was more like, of
1: a systemic problem. Yeah, it was the more of like a systemic si- problem. Yeah, I I do I
0: I don't know if you can credit Dietrich specifically for the way that USC was able to run the ball in those last drives because I think contextually I think that was all about it, what ASU was Yeah, was ASU was dropping
1: back the, in zone and they had to.
0: Yes, right? yes. And
1: they had a deeper zone.
0: Yeah. So I don't think that had anything specific to do with it, but at least he was capable of blocking in those situations. Like, he wasn't the one that was blowing up any plays.
1: Yeah, th- that game in the fourth quarter really felt like ASU had to do what they did to manage the clock, uh, which meant that they had to play a little bit soft and give themselves a chance to potentially win the game at the end. It, it lack Tough of a, spot, yeah. lack of a better analogy it very felt very f1 are you gonna manage your tires or are you can go on new tires and push like yeah. you have to you have to go pick a side at, at some point that's what you yeah. did uh by playing back and allowing the, the run uh let's go to an email we got from Tom uh hi michael Lacesia i agree with your assessment that if you can't join the the last few minutes of an awesome comeback you have to question why you even watch the game. What I'll give some slack to SC fans is that the scenario, once taken into context, creates a darker picture. I think any reasonable person at this stage could look at that game and know that while exciting, USC is falling woefully short of expectations. It would be one thing if the game was an aberration, but after several years, one would have to be blind not to recognize the coaching deficiencies in this team. Maybe Mike Bone will be different but the negativity from fans likely stems from the fact that decisions on Helton's future appear to come from looking at the overall record and coming to the conclusion that the average college football team would be more than happy with the results. Nuance apparently never enters the equation for SC's administration, or at least it hasn't in the past. Fight on, Tom in the Cayman Islands. Tom, you just nailed the head, like hit on the head. The, the Clay Helton dilemma.
0: Yeah, I think you were you absolutely right about everything that you said there. And I think that's the problem that USC fans generally have is that they are overreacting to the negatives because they are so afraid of underplaying the negatives, uh, that, of, of the underplaying of the negatives that have gone on in, in USC's administration. So... It's it's sort of both sides are, are getting it wrong, and and that's what's very frustrating to people who sort of live in the middle, where nothing is ever as bad as it seems to USC fans. I think they over-exaggerate how terrible this team is pretty much on a daily basis. This team is not that terrible. But this team is also not good enough to justify Clay Hilton still being the head coach. So I think you do have to put your faith in Mike Bone and the people he's brought in in his administration – and trust that they are more discerning than the Lynn Swans and the Pat Haydens of the world have been. That's that's what they're there for. That's what they're being paid for. And if it turns out that they aren't, then USC's got bigger problems than Clay Helton. Because if Mike Bone turns out to be a mess, then, you know, that's the bigger issue. Well,
1: The, the problem is there's a lot of people that have completely shut down Mike Bone because... The first decision he made was to retain Clay Helton because of the buyout and
0: because of all those things. Yeah, after, we, after we a month um, in the job.
1: Yeah. And, and, and we can imagine that the buyout plays a role there, yeah. uh, even though he won't speak to that because he can't. Um, but um, because, the, again, the the nuance is that Clay Helton is not good enough despite all of the the optics that, that say otherwise uh, because of the optics that or the other way like everything is true in this situation i think that's the hard part sc is failing sc is succeeding what sc has done in the last 5 years 94% of programs would love to have yes and i think because of that i think there there is some ridiculousness about this is the worst uh, the worst period in usc football history Ooh, i think just, those comments are just like insane to me because yeah. again 94% it's of programs not. would love to have this but this is a situation that's not good enough for USC right now because they could be so much better. And that's the frustrating part is almost that they're overachieving mediocrity in the sense that that's
0: exactly what they're, they're doing.
1: They're, they're underachieving, but they're doing more than you wish they were. Well, in I mean, the, in the sense that, that they're, not that you wish they were, they're doing more than is enough to to, to get Clay Helton. Well, this absolutely is absolutely this is what fired, this right? is what
0: we've been saying for a couple of years now. If Clay Helton was just a tick bad, like worse than he is, it would be easy to fire him. The problem with Clay he Helton needs to
1: be a tick better.
0: The the problem but, with yeah, the, but, but the he, problem
1: is that he's also not a tick not a tick worse. Tick worse. Yeah.
0: The, the, if Clay Helton. Were just five percent better or five percent worse. It would clarify a hell of a lot of things. But he's so damn medium that you know. Again, the good the good place reference is he's a a beer that's room temperature. Like at least you have a beer in but England, it's not in cold. England, no,
1: that that might be a good
0: thing. Well, some places it might be a good thing. Yes, yeah, just, just but saying. it's you know it's, it it it's, it's not good in the Cayman Islands with Tom. No, not he no. needs that ice cold beer in yeah, the Cayman that, Islands. That's, that's right.
1: Uh, thanks for the email. Uh, great email, as always, Tom. Uh, let's go to a Slack message we got from SJ in Santa Barbara. Is Drake London the new Michael Pittman? Yes. I literally had this conversation with you yesterday.
0: Well, can we tell the people what that conversation entailed? Yes. I You said Drake London is like the new Ma- Michael Pittman, and I said yes, except on the inside.
1: And and to which I'm like, wait, as a person? Like-? <laughs> Like, like why wouldn't they be on the I mean I guess they kind of look the same like I I but they like I I don't
0: <laughs> what? Like I'm trying to understand what the hell you meant. Like I was so confused. No, as an inside receiver, yeah. he is the inside receiver version of Michael Pittman. Yeah. Like, how do we know anything about his
1: inside <laughs> personnel? Like his personnel? Like I don't know. They seem like different people. I don't
0: mean, I, don't know. I mean, I, I bet they have similar-looking organs. You know, internal organs are all sure more or less the same. I think sure. Don't um, don't quote me if you're a doctor and you find out I'm wrong.
1: Yeah. Anyway, Drake Drake London. Feels like he is getting the production we all wanted out of Michael Pittman yes. early on. I mean, and so- making
0: the plays, the Michael Pittman plays.
1: Yes. Michael Pittman didn't get chances early on. Part of that reason was because he played at a time in which, as a true freshman, there was, I, I don't know, some guys named uh, Juju Smith Schuster, um, Adoree Jackson, uh, Darius Rogers, Deontay Burnett. Um, those guys were highly productive. Uh, and they got opportunities more than more than he did, um, and that's why it took a while for Michael Pittman to really to get involved and really to see the 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 potential of of Drake London. I think Drake London is doing the things that Michael Pittman could have done at that time, but he hasn't had the injury struggles. He hasn't had the depth chart struggles, um, and it's really going to allow him to be put in in a better position going forward because he might end up with the career that my, Michael Pittman deserved when I think they, they're seemingly the same player. It's it's wild to me how, how close they are um, in terms of playing style, sort of. I, I think Drake London a lot more
0: nimble, but... Got those basketball Yeah,
1: ve- very, very similar. Uh, SJ also says, is Chris Steele the new Biggie Marshall?
0: Yes. Physical wide receiver who needs to get used to playing with Pac-12 refs, yes. Chris Steele, Biggie Marshall 2.0. Yeah, I'm sorry, physical cornerback, but yeah. yes, Big, Biggie Marshall 2.0. Yeah. I, I, I think I think, I think he's, he's a little smaller than Biggie and probably a little bit more suited. to I think he's corner. a little quicker too. Yes, but he's got this. He plays with the same mentality that Biggie does. Yes, did.
1: Um, uh, but I I would I would take Steele over Biggie. Uh, slack message from B J and in Inglewood. Uh, how much of the ASU defense uh, and their performance has to be accredited to Chris Hawkins? Remember last year he was on this side of town, understanding the ins and outs of USC's offense.
0: You know what's super interesting is get these back-to-back weeks against ASU and U of A. Two cornerback coaches who we pretty much respect very highly. Uh, Chris Hawkins was uh, you know just one of those rising stars that would have been really nice if USC had been able to keep him on staff, but he had to go get the job, you know, the full-time job that he absolutely deserved and then this week against Arizona we get Greg Burns who we all thought did a very good job with USC's DBs. So, yes, I do think Chris Hawkins gets a lot of credit for the performance of that uh of those corners like like we talked about uh, or maybe I talked about it in the uh, in in the rewatch, uh the corners played extremely well against USC's wide receivers uh and uh and I, I think um uh Evans was it, it I'm getting his name wrong, but uh he was absolutely shut down. No, no one caught a pass on him, I think.
1: I think Chris Hawkins gets a lot of credit uh, in terms of how the coverages were. I'm not sure if it's strictly because of the insight that he brought. Um, Because of what his role was as a GA, I don't think that it would have been... I I don't know that he would have been absorbing Graham Harrell's offense um, quite as much as maybe people think. Maybe this is just me, you know, understating it. But I don't think it'd be quite the same as if, say, uh, Clancy Pendergast was was the defensive coordinator at ASU, where he had gone up against it and had to stop it in practice, kind of thing. I, th- I think that um, I think if you're, you're Clay Hawkins. I mean, Clay Hawkins, Chris <laughs> Hawkins. You're, you're dealing with it a little bit differently. Greg Burns, I think, is going to be an interesting one, too, because—
0: Well, he's got less talent, though, with Arizona, but— He's got less talent. But he but, did well with it Yeah, he,
1: he would have seen what those routes were, uh, for sure. Uh, let's go to a bunch of questions we got from Dave in Orange County. We're going to rapid-fire these to end this podcast off. Uh, are we going to see Gary Bryant Jr. get some run against you? of
0: A.? Uh, I, I hope so, but he's been coming off of an injury. And also, it'll really develop. Like, if USC's up by 30 points, yeah, we'll see Gary Bryan Jr.
1: I, I think there should be more um versatility in, in the wide receivers. Uh, again, it doesn't help that Gary Bryan has had that injury trouble. It doesn't help that Munir McLean is not on this football team right now. Yeah. So, there are short numbers, which is going to put more onus on. Getting more out of, like, Brew McCoy.
0: But the thing is that USC, and this is one of the things I really enjoyed from Todd Orlando on Wednesday, was the talk about how, like, there's no participation trophies. You're going to see snaps if you earn them. So it's going to be tough to earn snaps when you've got the receivers USC has in that starting lineup.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Next question from Dave. Is USC going to deploy the fake cramp defense to slow down U of A if they speed up tempo and start moving the ball on us a la ASU?
0: I hope not, because I really hate that defense, but you know what? They're gonna do what they gotta do, so who knows.
1: I don't think ASU I mean now I'm doing it. I don't think U of A uh, is, is going to go that quickly. I, I think ASU was probably a much quicker offense and SC did not do that thing. So um Well,
0: no, but a, but ASU is going is a tempo offense, so they so uh the the, the difference is that, you know, ASU is happy to sit there and do their motions in the backfield and stuff like that, where Arizona just want to get to go. So faking a cramp would would have more of an effect on Arizona.
1: Early on in the game, uh, ASU was going very quickly and getting quick snaps in, Yeah. uh, where I thought it was almost like the Oregon blur they were moving so quickly. They didn't do that speed throughout the the game. They they slowed it down a lot. Um, Dave's next question, uh, are we going to let Parker Lewis attempt a field goal this weekend? I mean, what can we lose? Well, of course, nothing. Nothing, yeah. He he, he he doesn't lose. He doesn't lose. Yeah, I think he gets a field goal attempt, at least one in this game. I agree. Uh, Alicia, that's going to wrap up the episode. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Again, USC and Arizona, 1230 on Big Fox. Bonus episodes over on Patreon, patreon.com slash Troy. And again, our card cast will drop Saturday after the game with our first reaction to USC and Arizona. Alicia, you got a final word?
0: The final word is desert. As in Lucy's going to the desert and it's gonna be really beautiful weather.
1: I missed the Like depth. 75 I miss degrees. I well
0: miss you don't okay, hey, you don't miss the desert. You miss Whataburger and I Sonic. Know, I like miss
1: Whataburger and Sonic. I miss, miss him. <laughs> yeah, but California's better look too Alright, later. See ya. See ya.
0: See yeah. ya.